Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Yardana Asban, here with my friend and Chavruta, Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masechet Erevin, daf Pei Aleph, 81. So first of all, before we begin, we just want to tell everyone we'll be sending out some information about the Talking Talmud, Masechet Erevin Siyum. And uh, we're looking forward again to hearing from our learners. So we want people to already start thinking about uh, what about Masechet Erevin they want to discuss. Um, I know that this Masechet may be a little intimidating, but we know people out there have some good thoughts and some good ideas. So already start planning what you want to share with us. Uh, we finished Masechet Erevin uh, around November 22nd, 23rd. Uh, so stay tuned for that information soon. Yeah, it's very exciting. I, it, You know, Yerdana, when we began this and we said, we don't even know if we'll make it through Brachot or through anything. And here we are. Um, I still feel like we're... You know, the jury is out on the long haul, but I am proud of it, both of us and also all the people who have been joining us all the way through. Um, yeah, I so, feel like if we can get through a ravine, we're good. But yes, it's it's exciting. Um, all right. Well, the DAP does not wait for us, so let's get started. Um, so the bottom of pay of 80 has a Mishnah, which is a Mishnah that we actually saw before, was quoted previously in our Masachat, which was, you know, what food are you allowed to use uh, when you make a sheet of Mavoy or an air of Chatzerot? And it's basically you can use any food except for water and salt, according to Rabbi Eliezer. Uh, Rabbi Yoshua is of the opinion that you should be using a, a whole loaf of bread, a kikar, in order to um, make that Erev. And then the Gemara gets into a discussion here, uh, you know, about uh, the actual, um, about this. So I'm going to read from the top here. Tenena chadaz mina arvin right? So, you know, it seems to be, right, we already learned this in a different Mishnah previously, right, that you can establish an Erev or the Shituf using everything except for water and salt, right? So they want to know, why are we, uh, you know, teaching this again? Amar Rava, lafuke midibre Rabbi Yoshua, da amar kikar in, midei achwina la kamash malan So the reason this Mishnah is important is, is because it comes to exclude this opinion of Rabbi Yoshua, who says that what you have to make this air of using a loaf, a kikar, but all other foods you're not allowed to use, right? And so what this Mishnah is really teaching us is we don't hold according to the opinion of Rabbi Yoshua, but you can basically use all kinds of foods, not only bread. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Itzvei Abaye, Bechol, right? So Abaye comes and is going to have an objection here from Brisa. Bechol ma'arvin erivei chatzeret, u'bechol mishtatefin shitufei mavot, Right? So he says that there's a brisa that says that you can do your Erev Chatzeris or Sheets of Mavoy, right? With all kinds of food, right? But this but this establishing with only a loaf of bread seems to be particular only to the Chatzer. Right? So where did we learn, right, that you can only do it with a bread for Erev and that anything else you can't use? Well, this is the opinion of Rabbi Yoshua. And yet, what does this Brisa teach? Bechol ma'arvin, right? So in other words, this shows us that this phrase of bechol, this is what they're getting, you know, looking at, the same phrase that we have um, uh, 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 of, you know, of our Mishnah, right? It shows us that it means, no, it means all kinds of food, and it's not here necessarily to exclude Rabbi Yoshua's opinion. So, Rabbi Barbarchana is going to come and he'll say something different. Ella, I'm a Rabbi Barbarchana. 
Right? So he says, no, what Rabbi Yeshua is really saying is the following, is that it has to be a whole loaf, and it's not that it can't be a broken loaf, right? So therefore, when our Mishnah says, right, what it's saying is, is all kinds of bread, even a broken loaf, right? So he's refining a little bit what Rabbi Yeshua's opinion is. It's not that it has to be a loaf of bread. It's that it's a loaf of bread as opposed to a broken loaf of bread or pieces of bread. So now the Gemara wants to understand, well, why? Why, if you can use bread, you should just be able to use bread. Why, what's the difference between a whole loaf versus pieces of bread? Upusa maitamala, right? So what's the reason about a broken piece of bread that you're not allowed to use it for an Arab? I'm a Rabbi Yossi ben Sha'ul. I'm a Rabbi Mishum Eva. So Rabbi Yossi, the son of Sha'ul, says in the name of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, is because of Eva, because of, I guess you would translate as, as uh, Safari uses or the English Steinzeltz of um, enmity or hatred or, you know, between neighbors, right? So I thought this point was fascinating because part of what we've been trying to develop here is that particularly with the era of Chatzeros, it's the idea that the neighbors are, cre- the residents are creating some type of cooperative together. And here, if you allow pieces of bread, right, their people could actually start to resent each other because what would they say? One person gives a whole loaf and another neighbor gives just some pieces of bread. And you could see that the concern here is, is that, you know, someone will say, well, I resent it. I gave a whole loaf and you just gave like a slice of bread. So therefore the Chachamim instituted, everybody has to give, you know, a complete loaf of bread so that there's no sort of comparison that somebody gave more than the other uh, and sort of resents the other person. So Rav Acha, the son of Rav, says to Rav Ashi, What if they all decide, though, to give broken pieces of bread, right? In other words, no one gives a full loaf, but they all just use pieces. Right? So what does Rav Ashi say to us? There's still a concern that this problem will happen, right? Because some well, somebody still could have given a whole loaf, and then we'll complain about the person who only gives a partial loaf. So we don't like this, uh, you know, so we don't like this at all. So I, I like this part of the Gemara because I thought, again, it speaks to the idea, you know, the higher level of Arab. Yes, there's a piece of Arab that's just practical so that people can, you know, carry. Um, but I think there's also an element to it, which we've seen just a few times. And this would be another time where we see it, where it's supposed to create some sense of neighborliness or brotherhood between people. And so therefore, even the type of food that we give needs to respect that. And if we're going to give food in a way that's going to create hatred or resentment between people, then we're not going to allow it. And that's why pieces of a loaf is not allowed. It has to be a full loaf of bread. I find this, I like this. I I think that there's something very I don't know. Anytime we see the Gemara taking that kind of equalizing stance, I think there's something valuable about it. I particularly found it interesting that they say, you know, it's got to be a whole one and not a, not piecemeal. I feel like theoretically, theoretically, it could be just as easy to say the the smaller pieces. And I, so I like the the argument that no, that's not as good. Um, you know, let's keep it on the level. Right. Exactly. Now, before and you get to what you're going to do today. I just wanted to point out something funny here, uh, you know, which you and I talked about, which is there then gets to be a whole discussion about different types of bread. Um, and the Gemara here mentions, you know, the bread of Yechezkel, basically, um, which, you know, is basically discussed as 
um, not something that's actually, uh, you know, not something that's actually um, so nice, right? So they talked here about if you could make an Arab with lentil bread, right? Rav Chia brings this as a discussion and they say, no, that you can't. It was something that uh, Marshmuel actually threw to his dog and he wouldn't eat it because lentil bread is not fit for human consumption. So the idea is, could you make the type of bread that you can't actually eat? Um, and then the commercial. And of course, nowadays, somebody who's gluten free would say, but lentil bread could be amazing. Right, right? exactly. It's and, such a different. Right, it's so interesting. And then, you know, it says that no, the bread that this dog didn't want to eat was actually one, it was mixed of different types of grain. And they quote this very famous pasuk from Yechezkel, Perak Dalit Pasuk Tet, um, you know, chapter four, verse nine. Right, so you're going to make yourself, Yechezkel's uh, instructed to make and eat this type of loaf, which was made of wheat, barley, beans, lentils, millet, and spelt. And, uh, and, and he made this into a bread. And that the Gemara is basically saying, this is the type of bread that's not fit for human construction, consumption. Excuse and now me. you can go right. to a fancy so store that was so and buy Ezekiel's bread. Yes, is that we have this thing called Ezekiel bread, which is considered to be sort of, you know, super fancy <laughs> and healthy. And it's kind of like, when you read this Gemara, you're like, you know what, that's probably not a great name for a product <laughs> because it's actually not the real meaning or at least how the Gamar understands no, what the purpose exactly of that bread is. is. No, no, no. They make Ezekiel bread from this list of things. I know, the, but I think the, but the point is, is that the Gamar is saying it's not really bread that's supposed to be eaten. I understand. Right. We have changed our tune on what's supposed, you know, we, we talked about this once before, months ago, about how, you know, refined flour nowadays is the poison. And refined flour once upon a time meant you were eating at a king's table. Right, right. So anyhow, I just thought that was, uh, I, I thought that was a little, a little cute tidbit. Indeed. Um, okay, well, I'm going to take us to the next mission, which is at the end of Ahmed Aleph and continues on to Ahmed Bet. Um, and... Well, let's see. We're still in the in the zone of the baker, um, or at least possibly. Notain adam maa lechen vani v'lachtom k'dei shiazakelo eruv divrei rebelezer. So rebelezer says that a person could give maa a coin. You may have heard the right, which means money. So here, this is specifically, you know, one coin maa to the grocer or to a baker to somebody who's a shopkeeper chen vani. And if everybody's living on that same alleyway, right? So then the, the the proprietor of the shop can give over that possession of wine or bread or whatever it's going to be to make the, to bring the alleyway together, right? To be that Eruv. And then because the other people come to the shopkeeper to purchase those same items, right? So by, by giving over something at, in the capacity of Eruv, it's as if, right, then when other people come to buy those, same, meaning when the residents of the same area come to buy those same things, it's as if they're really all participating in the Eruv. And that's according to Rebbe Lezer. But the Chachamim say, Chachamim Omrim, lo zachulo mautav. He says, you could do that all you want, but by transferring that money, by giving the coin to the chenvani, to the shopkeeper, you haven't actually transferred ownership. And this, of course, alludes to the point that we've made also several times over the, you know, I don't know how long, um, that transfer of ownership takes more in halacha than simply paying for the right to the ownership of the item, right? So either that has a physical act of acquisition, that means that you pick it up off the ground, or if it's an animal, you, you know, you walk with it, you pull it along with you, right? Or again, there's several different ways of having this formal act of acquisition that we call a kinyan, but none of it is simply by transferring the money. 
You give somebody the money. Now you may have the right to take that possession of that object, but you don't actually own it until you've done something to make it yours. As I said, either the you pick it up or you pull it out or I don't know. There's other ways you can actually change the item itself that would also um, give you the ownership. And then the Chacham go on to concede, right? They say, Umodim, they agree. Right, but if you're not talking about a chenvani, if you're not talking about somebody who's really a shopkeeper, that you're the people are generally buying from that person, right? But so if you're talking about everybody else, just regular people, that if you give them money for the food for an eruv, then then your money does actually count as as the purchase, right? As getting taking possession, um, because the whole According to Chachamim, and we talked about this extensively the other day, right? What you need for that Eruv is for the person to have the knowledge that they are participating in the Eruv. So you don't actually have to, you know, f- according to this Mishnah, the person participating in the Eruv doesn't actually physically have to pick it up, but they have to be aware of it, unlike that daughter-in-law the other day, right? So, so that's, that's item number one, right? There's a real distinction being drawn here between somebody whose business is com- you know, has commerce, commerce and food both, right? The idea that you could easily use that person to help make your Erev and the answer is no, but in fact, it turns out to be easier to give money to somebody who isn't a shopkeeper and does live on your courtyard or whatever and is going to be offering the food to make the Erev. Okay. Um, and then Amarav Yehuda, Reb Yehuda, sorry, I'm Reb Yehuda, but Medvarim Amurim, what are we talking about? What's the case, right? We're talking about an Eruvet Chumin to begin with, which is a whole separate thing, because if you start off reading this Mishnah, it feels to me like we're talking about Eruv Chatzero. So I appreciate Reb Yehuda's, you know, elaboration here. Aval and this is part of the concept of what we were talking about yesterday, Yordana, and I think you hit the nail on the head in your explanation then. Um, the idea that for Eruv Chatserot, you can make an Eruv, even if the person doesn't know about it. As we've been talking about it, right? That you can uh, you can give over benefits to a person even if they don't know about it. But you can't, um, what is the right word here? You can't harm a person. You can't, you know, um, affect an obligation upon a person without their knowledge. Um, so, right, you can give them a benefit. You can't um, harm them. You can't um, incur debt. You can't bring them to incur debt without them knowing about it, right? Like you can't say, oh, so and so will pay for it. So and so will pay for the eruv, and therefore the eruv stands. No, you you can't do that. Or maybe that's not really a good example, right? Because the eruv would benefit that person as well. So maybe that is considered a schut, um, a benefit, right? But so this explains our question, Yordana, the other day about zakin adam because and you said it right. You said that for eruv tchumin is where the person needs to have the knowledge, right? And that situation is why we can say um, where Zakin Ladam Shalobifanov does not apply, but it would apply in other cases. So, um, and here we found it, right? Meaning we, we carried on in our learning and here yeah, it is. It's, uh, I think this really, you almost need this Gemara to understand yesterday's Gemara. Right, right, right. Which of course, so it's the Mishnah, right? So presumably, 
if we were, you know, Tanaim and we learned all the Mishnah and then we, you know, whatever. And then we went through, if we were Amorayim who learned all the Mishnah and then started our commentary, we would have been set because we would have already known it. Even though that's not, of course, how the Daf Yomi itself right. is set up. And maybe this is why they didn't have this particular question yesterday that we struggled with. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's true. We said, why didn't they ask about this? Okay, so now we know. I just want to read a little bit of the Gemara itself um, about exactly this point. Where it says, Is this the right place? Yes. No, I'm sorry. Right? When the rabbis say, when Chachamim say that for all other people, besides the Chenvani, right? Besides the shopkeeper, that everybody could get that, you know, you could give them that money and they, and that is sufficient, right? Because then the fact that they know that they are participating in the air of Tchumen is all they need. Man Sharkol Adam. So the Gemara says, who are we talking about when we say everybody else? Who is included in? quote, everybody else, meaning you might think it literally means everybody else, but the Gemara wants to double check that. Amarav Baal Habayit. So Rav says, speaking here about somebody who is just a homeowner, meaning somebody who is a resident and a homeowner on that, in that same town, on that same block, on that same courtyard, whatever it is, right, where they're going to band together to make this Erev Tchumen. Okay, and Shmuel agrees here, concurs here. What does he say? Says they only taught this halacha to begin with when it was talking about a baker. But when you're talking about a regular balhabayit, a regular homeowner, that person can indeed acquire food on behalf of another person, and you don't actually have to do anything more than that. Right, where it says val balhabayit that's enough. Now, this is interesting, right? Because the original case in the Mishnah was talking about a ma'a, a coin, right? Ma'ot, money. But if you gave a, a utensil, right? If he said, I'll trade you my spatula for your bread, right? Then he acquires that food, right? He does the act of Kenyan because they have swapped items and that counts, that counts as a formal act of acquisition, right? Meaning it's more than simply the money, simply the value. And in which case, then that becomes enough, even I think for the baker, right? Or the chenvani, right? Right, exactly. Vamer Shmuel Shmuel continues. Lo shano ela de amarlo zecheli, aval amar arevli shaliach shavia vakane. So he says this halacha again is only in the case where the person who wants to participate in this situation, in the situation of the erev tchumen, he says, "Give it to me," or or you know, let me take possession of that, right? But if he had said, Aravely, make this as an Erev on my behalf, which means he's clearly talking about Erev. I mean, that's what his goal is. And he's basically wanting the baker or the shopkeeper, whatever, to be the shaliach, the the representative, to establish the Erev on his behalf. And then you could say that that Erev does, it worked, Shavya Vakane, meaning then in fact it does work because Basically, he's appointing a shaliach, and then that shaliach can function as himself, as opposed to saying he made a purchase, right? It's a different, the 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 whole situation shifts, and it becomes a case of shlichut as, a, as opposed to a case of of buying. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Which right, I, think I, think also... I love this, this attention to language here. You know, we wouldn't normally think, it's not even language, but it's just like, how do people actually acquire or buy things? 
and what's the difference between the two and that it actually has a real halachic uh, implication for Aram. Right, right. Meaning this is not even a situation of regular transactions. That's not right. We're not in the land of ownership. We're in the land specifically of Eruvin, and yet there are implications from, and we've said this before, from a whole other area of halacha, which, you know, has implications here. I think they, this, for a change, maybe it's not fair to say that, for, but, you know, for, uh, if yesterday I was very com- confused with regard to this, p- this particular kind of case, today I think has cleared it up. And I think, you know, that's always pleasing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And again, I just, uh, you know, the, it's not even a nuance. It's a really, it's, it's such a nice way of really explaining what the difference is between the two. It's true. We had a lot of differences today, right? We have the difference between a shopkeeper and a regular balabayat. We have the difference between Eruv Chatserot and Eruv Tchumin. Um, we have the difference between Ma'ot, money, and a Kli. Is there another one? No, oh, that's a good, that's a good well, way of framing the, the bread. You framed it. Thank you. <laughs> well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this app on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.